Well, I, I really do count this a, a privilege to, to bring God's word to you. Like Paul said, I uh, am a teacher. I teach uh, high school kids. So if you want to uh, make me feel real comfortable, just look really bored as I speak. Um, you can also um, take out your phone every once in a while and play with it. Um, and then just blurt things out that make no sense. I, make me feel really comfortable. If you do ask a question, all right, it's probably going to be, can we do something fun today? Um, those are usually the questions I get. Uh, but I, I will warn you, I may make you sit next to Principal Paul if you do that. So, um, <clears throat> But seriously, let's, let's stand and uh, honor God's word by standing as I read this passage from 2 Peter uh, 1. Simeon Peter, a servant of and apostle of Jesus, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and with virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities through you, or through you, though you know them and are established in in the truth that you have, I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made it clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. 
For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when... When he received honor and glory from God, the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in dark places until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I'm going to pray one more time as I get started. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for just the fact that through your word we can be challenged and we can be encouraged. I just pray this morning, Lord, that you would speak through me, help my words to be clear, and that you would be magnified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're going to focus on this morning just verses 5 and first part of 6. Um, and last week John uh, kind of shared his his main idea was was growing in God's grace. Uh, the main idea that uh, that as I looked at these verses that is for us today is is that true believers, okay, true believers grow spiritually. That if you are um, a true believer, a follower of Christ, you will you will grow. You will be growing. I often, my students, uh, every once in a while, I, w- I will get students that ask, how do I really know? How do I really know that I'm a Christian? And, and oftentimes I will say, are, are you growing? Are you, are you growing spiritually? Are you growing? Are you becoming more like Christ? Because um, I really believe that is a real proof of a true follower of Christ. We'll, we'll see that as we go through this today. Um, so we start with with verse 5, and it says, for this very reason. So what is the reason? This, this verse is connected, obviously, to verses 3 and 4, which John shared last week, and the fact that we have been given this divine power um, that, that, uh, that we, have able to, we were able to have life and godliness through this divine power that God has given to us. And also we have those promises, those precious promises that um, Christ is returning and we will be partakers in this uh, um, divine nature. And because of that, because of that, um, we we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to grow. And... uh, you know, God's grace always precedes, okay, what we are supposed to do. Uh, if you think about the Israelites in Egypt, okay, God did not send Moses to the Israelites and say, um, 
I've got these, these commands that I, I want you to do. And as soon as these guys figure this out and can do these commands, then I will redeem them from, from Egypt. No, he first came and he redeemed them. He saved them from slavery, took them out of Egypt, and then he gave them the commandments for them to do. And I think we see that here in, in, first, in Second Peter. He says, hey, God has given us, he's granted us everything we need for life and godliness. Okay? He has given us these precious promises. Okay? Now grow. Now grow. And that's, that's kind of where we're headed today. Uh, we have that responsibility. So what is, what is that responsibility look like? Well, it says, for this very reason, make every effort. Make every effort. Um, <clears throat> when I was in, in college, I, I played baseball, and our coach thought it would be a great idea to play some preseason games in Hawaii. That was a really good idea, too. Um, so we, besides playing a little baseball, we got to do some a sightseeing. And we, were, we went over to, onto the north shore of, of uh, Oahu, where they got the big waves. And we had some guys that uh, were young and dumb and thought they would be a good idea to go swimming in the ocean without fins or any type of floating device. And we had two guys get caught in a riptide. And um, they were trying to swim to shore, and they couldn't. And uh, the, the lifeguard, very aware of that, went out and, and saved both of them. And as I thought about that, I, I, think, I think our Christian walk is a lot of times like being in a riptide. If we don't, I think Peter is, is, is getting at this, if we don't choose to grow, if we don't want to grow, hey, I've chosen, I've, I want to follow Christ, but I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to make any effort to grow. Then we will drift, okay? Those, those boys, if, if they would have just stopped swimming, okay, trying to get to shore, they would have drifted out into the open ocean. That's where they were headed. And if we don't choose to grow, we will also drift into peril. And the other thing that I, I think it, it mirrors the Christian walk to is, is, you know, those guys were swimming as hard as they could to get to shore, and they were not making any progress. And uh, I think sometimes, even when we are working on our spiritual walk and we're, we're spending time in God's Word, um, growth is slow. And sometimes it feels like we're not making any progress. Um, and so I, I thought of that uh, as, as I was, was, was doing this. But he says, make every effort. Then he says, to supplement. Um, and some of your, your versions may say, add to your faith. And I want to make sure that, uh, you know, the supplement, you know, sometimes when we, we say add, I, I'm reminded of, of, I think when we, we talked about, uh, looked at, uh, in Acts, that you had the Judaizers that were were telling the, the the believers to add to their salvation in order to be right with God. You've got to add, you know, circumcision. You've got to add these these different things. And so, I may sometime today, as I go through this, say add, uh, but that's not what I'm talking about. We're talking about supplement. We're talking about growing our faith, okay? Supplementing to our faith uh, these, these things. And, and I think what Peter is challenging us to do is, is, is 
the word sanctification. Now, you have in uh, the first part in verses 3 and 4, we really is, is that justification part where this is what God has done for us. We, have, we didn't do, do any of this. What he did on the cross, he justified us. And we don't grow in justification. You don't get more justified. That was Christ and Christ alone did all of that. And then, and then the, the, the last part in verse 4 when he talks about the, the, the promises... John brought this out. The promises was the promise of Christ's return. And when Christ returns, we will be partakers of that divine nature, which I think is that glorification part of our walk where we will be made like him. We have no, we don't do any of that. But in between the, the already and the not yet, okay, we are we are to work on our sanctification, our growth to be more like Christ. And as, um, you know, we do that, I just want to make sure that we understand that, you know, people look at sanctification just a little bit different uh, sometimes. There's some that looked at sanctification as this is, I've got to do all the work. I've got to really work hard and to become more like Christ. I've got to do all this, this hard work. Uh, the, the other side of that is some people say, let go and let God. God's going to do, do all the work. I really believe, and we see this, is there is that balance of, yes, we have to put forth effort there's an effort. We have to work at, at growing in our salvation uh, or in, in our walk. But God is also there with us, helping us along. Um, just a few other verses that talk about our, um, our effort. In Jude 3, it says that we contend earnestly. We are to contend earnestly for the faith. Okay, that effort there. In, uh, in Philippians 1.27, it says that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith. Again, that effort. Um, Hebrews 12.1 says, let us run with endurance. Now, there are some people that think running is fun. Obviously, they have issues, okay? Because running is not fun, all right? Maybe the end of running, that's kind of the fun part. But if you have to run farther than 90 feet, it's not fun. It's work, okay? And so, again, it's, but it's, it's, that, it's that effort. We see that effort within um, those verses that we are to be doing these things. Um, the, if you want to turn over to Philippians 2... Philippians 2, 12 and 13. This, this is, I think, just a really great picture of, of sanctification, what, what, what I'm trying to get at here. And it says, um, again, Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation. There's that effort. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So we see that balance there, that we have to make this effort. There's an effort that we have to put forth, but God is at work in in us. And so when we talk about this this working out, this sanctification, it is it is both um, both our effort and God. 
And I, and I think of, um, you know, those two boys that were caught in these riptides. One of them was just in a panic, okay? The other guy was, was real calm. In fact, when the lifeguard got out to him, he didn't even know he was a lifeguard. He just asked, hey, you got a fin I could borrow? I can't seem to get to shore. Um, but the guy said, no, I'm a lifeguard and I'm going to save you right now. Um, but both of them had to work. They had to, um, they couldn't just sit there and let the, the lifeguard, they had, he had them swim. They, you swim sideways to get out of a riptide and they had to swim, but he was also there to give them whether it was, I don't know, it was a floating vice or a fin, but they had to work together to get out of that riptide. And I think that's that idea that we, we, we have God at work in us, but we have to make an effort. We can't, if we do not make an effort, we will drift into, into peril. So then Peter then tells us what we need to supplement our faith with. And we're going to look at just three today. Um, I think Paul will finish, finish up uh, next week. But if we go back to, to Second Peter, um, he says... For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control. We're going to look at those three. Uh, Peter gives us, there's there's eight qualities here of of, uh, the Christian life, and it starts with faith. Okay, faith is what he's really talking about in three and four, that this is what God has given us. He's given you the faith, right, um, in his grace, okay? We have the faith. Now, add to that faith. The faith is the, the foundation. It's the root, okay, that now allows us to grow in these other qualities. And it, it climaxes with, we continued on, it with love, Right, so there's there's that there's um, that progression, but they are not qualities that okay. They're not in a specific order in the fact that okay, I have got to I got a master virtue. Now I can move to knowledge. Now I have got a master knowledge in order. It's it's more like um, the idea that um, don't don't be satisfied with where you're at with virtue. Grow in that area, okay? Don't be satisfied with your knowledge. Grow in that area. Um, These are all qualities that we have an opportunity and we should have and we should should make effort to grow uh, in our spiritual walk. So the first first one that he he talks about is virtue. And virtue is... You know, you think about virtue, often, uh, you know, I, I thought it's, it's, it's a good person, has a lot of these different virtues. But it's really, the way it's translated uh, is moral excellence, okay? In fact, um, you know, even that word excellence, okay, for a lot of people it may mean different things, but I think we would all agree when you talk about excellence, there's effort in that, right? If you want to be an excellent piano player, you got to work at it. If you want to be an excellent student, you have to work at it. Um, and an excellent athlete, you have to work hard at, at, at those things. So moral excellence, 
there is it kind of goes along with that that effort but more excellence is the idea of being like Christ okay and you know it's that idea where it says you know be holy for I am holy even in back in verses I think in in verse uh, three he talks about through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence all right referring to God as that that's uses that same word in fact in first Peter one um, he says Verse 15, he says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. <clears throat> so what does that look like practically? What does it look like practically? Um, I think it's practically that I'm going to do whatever is right, no matter what. Um, and, and with that, there's that sense of, I think w- there's a sense of courage that goes into that moral excellence, right? That um, no matter what, no matter what the culture says, okay, I'm going to do what is right. doesn't matter what my friends say, okay, I'm going to do the right thing. And even in some cases, it doesn't matter what my family says. I'm going to do what God's word tells me to do. There's that, that, that courage that comes along with that moral excellence. Um, <clears throat> so how, is, how are you growing in, in moral excellence? And again, I would, I, you know, don't look at the last two weeks. <laughs> look at the last six months, uh, the last years we think about our growth in these things. The next quality that, that he talks about is knowledge, right? Um, and again, and I think John mentioned this last week, it's not knowledge of just facts. Although we need to know those things, all right, it is, it's more, it's, it's more than that. Uh, a few years ago, um, Mark Few uh, was at our school looking at possibly sending his children there. I think most of you know who Mark Few is. Um, and now this did not happen. But let's say I'm walking down the hall as he's taking his tour and I see Mark Few and I, you know, say, hey, hi, hello. And, and then I come back and I say, hey, Mark Few and I are really close. Um, now, I know some things about Mark Few. I know he's 60 years old. I know that in 1999, he, he took over the men's basketball program from Dan Munson. I know that he's probably has one of the highest winning percentages of college basketball coaches. I know he loves to fly fish. I know he loves to play pickleball. But you know what? I don't know Mark Few. If I went up to him and said, hey, Mark, uh, if I saw him, hey, Mark, just hang out because you were at our school that one time, he'd probably have me arrested, all right? <laughs> but I'm afraid that many people that, that call themselves Christians, that's how they view Christ. They know a lot of things, okay, about Jesus all right, but they don't have a personal relationship with him. They don't have, they haven't experienced that, um, they haven't experienced that transformation power. So when we're talking about knowing, it's more than just facts, it's, it's experiencing. It's experienced his transformating power. Again, I know, I know there are wires in these walls. I know there are. 
But if I take a fork and I stick it in the, the socket, I will know by experience that there are wires. Okay? And so that's the idea of, of this, of knowing, that not only do we know, okay, the facts, but we experience his transforming power in our lives. And as we spend time in God's word, right, as we spend time in God's, God's word, we will not only learn more about God, but we will experience his transforming power in our lives. So how do we grow then in that knowledge of Christ? If it's not just about facts, um, I think it's, it's taking our understanding of who Christ is and what he has done for us and, and putting them into practice into our own lives. Um, just a personal example here. Um, I have always known that, that Jesus is not repelled by sinners and their sin. We, we will see that. We see that throughout the gospel, right? He's constantly eating, okay, with sinners. In fact, you know, the Pharisees always question him, and he would say, you know what? A, a physician doesn't come to the well. He comes to the sick, right? We see that constantly, you know, he told Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I'm, I'm going to your house today, all right? He was, he, he went to sinners. Um, in fact, even, you know, we know in Romans 5, 8, God showed his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I, I knew that fact. I knew that fact. But I don't think I really experienced it because um, any time that I would sin, all right, I always felt, man, God is really disappointed with me. He's disappointed with me. He's, he's, oh, he's, he's far from me. Okay? And I probably felt that way because that's the way I treated people when they sinned against me. Okay? I, was, I was repelled. And as a teacher, okay, it is so easy to be repelled by your students. Okay? When they don't care, okay? when you see them and they, they don't put an effort for, forward, okay? it's, it's really easy to be, okay, I'm not going to spend my effort on you. I'm going to spend on those people that want to listen. Okay? Or I take way too much joy of writing a big F on their paper, all right? Um, but I was, this year I was, uh, was really challenged. I know you're going to find this really hard to believe, but uh, young men of teenage can be, there are some that can be knuckleheads, okay? And I had a class full of them this year. And uh, uh, they, they didn't really want to be in the class. They didn't seem to really care. Uh, they, uh, they, they, it was difficult. And, and just the way the scheduling went, because of a small school, they were all in my class. And, uh, and I knew that going in. And, uh, and, but I, I really felt that God was challenging me. He was, he was putting me in a riptide, okay? And I think sometimes, or most of the time, when he wants us to grow, he puts us in difficult situations, and so I was determined not to uh, be discouraged, but to treat them like God treats me. That he, he doesn't, he's not repelled by my sin, but he, he comes to me in my sin. He comes to me in my sin. He wants to help me through that. And so um, <clears throat> as I went through this year, um, that was that was my goal. My goal was, hey, it's not my job to change their hearts. My job was 
to share the truth and to love them. And I will say this, there were many days that I came home and was a little bit discouraged that, man, I really blew it today with that. I probably got a little bit too much upset at that person, or I probably shouldn't have sent him out of class, or I was way too lenient, all right? Um, it, was, it, it, it was challenging all year long, but I think I, I, I could say if you were to ask them at the end of the year, they would, would say, yes, he, he shared God's truth with us, and he really cares about us. And so um, <clears throat> we grow by taking the knowledge that God, of God and what he's doing in our lives and then um, sharing that with, with those around us, trying to treat them. Um, just... Side note: Our mom came in um, for a parent-teacher conference. She had a daughter that was in there who was really a sweet girl, and uh, I really believe loved the Lord. And the, the mom said, I, "My daughter says she feels." So, she said, "I feel so sorry for Mr. Ferguson. Those boys—they don't listen. They're they're always messing around." And so I was able to share with her, "Hey, this is." It's okay. This is where God has placed me, and, and he's trying to work in me to, to love these, these young men the way I should love them. And so she was, she was excited and encouraged and excited to tell her daughter, you know what, you don't have to worry about Mr. Ferguson. You don't have to feel sorry for him. Um, and so that <clears throat> taking those things that we, we are learning about God and what he's doing in our lives and being able to now grow by, by sharing uh, and loving other people that way. The final trait that we're going to look at today is self-control. Self-control is one of the, the fruits of the Spirit. Um, and I think really in order to uh, have true knowledge, okay, we have to have self-control. Um, I've heard it said that self-control um, is everything from a second helping to a second glance. And I think we all, you know, all have areas in our lives where we need to work on that self-control. And, um, but Peter warns, in, in later in this, this letter, Peter warns uh, the readers about false teachers, that they were marked by the lack of self-control. In, in verses, uh, in chapter 2, 2, they're, characteristic, they're characterized by sensuality. In, in 10, chapter 2, verse 10, they're inflamed by sinful desires. Verse 13 says they live for soft and comforting pleasures. In verse 14, they never cease thinking of idolatry. Adultery, I'm sorry. And then in um, 2.19, they are enslaved to corruption. So those who live godly lives will exercise self-discipline, right? A believer, a true believer will be marked by self-discipline. Now, uh, not perfect, but we need to be working on those and we should be able to restrain uh, ourselves and not fall into sinful desires. Um, My challenge with self-control is the word self. I um, often try to do things when I think about self-control. Okay, I've got to do this in my own strength. 
and and not relying also on on God's strength in my life. Um, you know, it's not wrong to have a plan or strategy, okay, in those areas that we struggle in. It's it's not wrong to to have a plan not to spend so much time on my phone. It's not wrong to have a plan to to how can I be a better husband? How can I be a better wife? Um, it's not wrong to have safeguards on our computer. But if it's just about me and my effort in doing those, usually I will start really strong. I'll start, but then I fizzle out. Because I, I don't have, I'm trying to do this, this on my own. And so... Um, I, lo- I love the passage in First Col- or Colossians 3, 1 through 5. If you want to turn over there with me and look at that. I, I just think it's a, it's, for me, it's a great picture of, of self-control, what I have to be reminded of. Um, <clears throat> Colossians 3, 1 through 5. If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also uh, will appear with him in glory." Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. I think so often we get it backwards, okay? We start with, okay, I have to, I have to, um, you know, take care of these, these sins. I got to do this before I can then look to God and, and um you know, set my mind on on these things. But these verses are saying, no, you set your minds on Christ. You look at the gospel, what Christ has done for you. You focus in on those things, and you know what? Okay, putting to death those sins are going to be easier. Still takes work, still takes some plans, but they they become easier because our minds are set. We are we are magnifying Christ in our lives, okay, and it makes it easier then to uh, deal with, to say no to those things that we struggle with. <clears throat> so in conclusion, are you growing in moral excellence? Again, don't look at the last two weeks. Look at your last six months, last year, okay? Do you see yourself becoming more like Christ? Or are you satisfied with where you're at? Are you growing in knowledge of who God is? And is that knowledge changing the way you view and treat other people? And then self-control. Is your life marked by discipline? And it's not because you've in your own strength uh, can say no, but it's because of the gospel, because it is what Christ has done for you. The fact that he has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Are you able to say no and put to death those sins that you struggle with? <clears throat> may, we be, may we not be satisfied to just go through the motions of the Christian life, but make every effort work to
to grow to become more like Christ. As we look forward to the promise of his return when he will complete the task and make us like him and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Father, you are so gracious to us. You have given us all we need to grow. Help us not to waste that divine power, but to make every effort to grow. Lord, we love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.